right, let me just talk while I just uh, clear up the worship team's mess. Um, guys, you did a great job also this morning, by the way. Um, which leads me to not my preach, but I, what I want to talk about right now, which is encouragement. It's, we need to encourage one another more, don't we? This room is full of extraordinary people, mainly because they were made by God, but you are extraordinary. And there's just, we need to big each other up a bit more, don't we? Yes. Yeah, we do. So let's be encouragers of one another. That is one of the great privileges of being part of the people of God. It doesn't always happen in the world around, but we can be different in this. And I I just feel like God's put it on my heart this morning. So well done, Callum. Well done, you guys, for leading into praying for people. Well done on the stage. And Lanray, that shirt, I have shirt envy. Let's just say, let's leave it at that. Is that allowed? I don't know, but it's a nice shirt anyway. Um, and great that you're drumming, and great that, to see Jocelyn up there as well. See, I'm just, uh, just keep going now. It's good. Talking of encouragements, um, last Sunday, I don't know if you were here last Sunday, but um, we had a, pad, a big paddling pool at the front here. Who was here last Sunday, Easter Sunday? What a great morning. We baptized four people. Uh, over at the east side also, they baptized another four people. Uh, they managed in Dorkin School to fit 200 adults. Now, if you've been to Dorkin School, that is quite an achievement in itself. They then went round to the to Dorkin Swimming Pool to do the baptism, so they had a great morning. Just want us to be excited, really, about what God's doing with us. So over two sites on last Sunday, we had 450 adults plus associated kids. That's a lot, that's a lot of guests, for one thing, which is it's fabulous, isn't it, to have lots of people coming and uh, witnessing public declarations that people are uh, saying, yes, my life is for Jesus now. Amen? This is good stuff, isn't it? God is on the move. Let's be encouraged. Right. Good morning, by the way. Did I say that already? I don't know. If you're visiting, it's great to have you with us. We are, um, uh, as has been mentioned already, beginning a new uh, preaching series this morning. Um, yes, there was a tiny little ripple down at the front here. That was Kaz, probably well done. Um, entitled, there we go, DNA, Discovering God's Design for the Church. So we're going to spend a number of weeks really saying, what, who are we at our core? What are our values? What are we about? What is it that defines us as God's people? What, who do we want to be? Who are we? Um, so we're going to look at lots of characteristics of uh, the, the people of God, and in particular, gateway, so that we can say, look, some of these things might be um, in us right now. Some of them are aspirations, and we're saying, yeah, this is what it means to be the people of God, so let's be more like this. But at its heart, we're saying, what is it, what is it that's in our DNA? What is it that's in our genes? What was, should we look like as the people of God? Um, we didn't like the... the um, the picture of DNA that was, that's DNA, by the way, that, that thing on the screen there, apparently. So we found, uh, Phil found earlier a better picture of DNA so that you could get, um, have you got that? No, it's not a loving, oh, there we are, you see, that's better. So this is all about what is in our genes, what is in us. And it, if you like, it's like rock, it, as in the sweet rock. If you cut right through us, what is it that you find? What is it that defines us as the people of God? 
Okay, have you got the idea? Okay, so we're going to look at things like that we want to be a loving people, that we're a diverse people, that we're an authentic people. We'll come across some of these themes over the weeks to come, but really we're starting, we're not starting with a loving people, I don't know where that one came from. We're starting with a God-shaped people, okay? We're a people, ultimately, that are shaped by God. That is the foundation. We're about who God is and what God has made us to be. So that's where we're beginning this week, a God-shaped people. We are all the other things that we're going to talk about through this series because we are a God-shaped people. And to kick us off with this, I want to read uh, a a little bit of a long scripture. We've had it referred to already this morning, actually, uh, in Ephesians 1. But uh, this, this is good stuff. I mean, obviously, all the Bible is good stuff, but... This, I, I want you to let this sink into you this morning, okay? As I read it, let it do you good. Let it minister to your spirit, okay? Ephesians 1. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him, that is in Jesus, we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in a conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we who were the first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession, to the praise of his glory. I can kind of imagine Paul reading this at a baptism meeting, actually, and saying, look, this, has what has, this is what has happened. As we celebrated last weekend, as people went down and said, I'm dying to my old self, I'm being raised. It's all this amazing stuff that God has done. This is what was being declared. For this reason, says Paul, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I've not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. We've heard this referred to already this morning, haven't we? That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all authority, all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be the head over everything, For the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Amen? Wow, there's a lot of stuff in there. there. But 
Where I want to go to is that prayer of Paul's right at the heart of this. And that is, if you take away one thing this morning, is Paul's prayer. As he looks at the Ephesian church, as he looks, as we look at those who have put their faith in Jesus, as we look at one another, we look at those who were baptized last weekend, what is our prayer for ourselves as the people of God? I believe the first prayer on our lips should be that we know him better. Amen? And that's where I'm going this morning. So we're to be a God-shaped people. And where I want to start is by saying, you see, so often when we think about ourselves and what we're like or who we're supposed to be or what it is to be the people of God, we start from our own perspective, don't we? We, start, we often start with us. We usually start with us. We, we could be forgiven for, thinking, for, for looking like we thought that the world revolved around us, Amen. So often we live and we talk and we act as if the world revolved around us. But the thing is, it doesn't, just to let you in on a secret, it doesn't revolve around us. It revolves around God. He's the center. He's the creator. He's the heart at the, at the, in the middle of the universe, in the middle of everything. He is where it all begins. And so to get an accurate picture of what's going on in our lives, to get an accurate picture of who we are and who we're supposed to be, what is this DNA that's through us, we need to say, God, what are you like? We, we need to say, God, what is your perspective on us? What have you revealed to us about who you are and therefore who we are? We've got to start with God, haven't we? We can never start with ourselves. We need to ask the question, God, what are you doing? Why did you make us? What's it all for? What do you want, God? What are you about in this creation? So um, just to give you a little insight into our Easter holidays, we were, down on the, um, we were down on the south coast, Helen's parents in the week, at the Jurassic Coast, I've just discovered that it, it's called. So I don't know if you know that bit of Devon and Cornwall, the Jurassic Coast, because you find things like this in the rocks and it gives you clues as to the history of the earth and what's gone on. And um, uh, just to say on this question of why God did you create and what was going on, what's in your mind, what do you want, God? I, I was, we were looking at this, um, we were in a, in, in a tourist attraction which uh, details stuff about the Jurassic Coast and the history and, and the twin, the, all the millions of years and what happened at what point and all of that. And there was one glass case that was all about uh, when inanimate matter when molecules suddenly sprung into life and then there was all these explanations as to what why that might be or what might have happened at that point and and me and Esther my nine-year-old were chatting looking at this and we were just like there were seven explanations as to what might have happened to turn chemicals into life and not one of them mentioned God we were like you could have at least put a number eight that said at least some people believe that you can't turn chemicals just bing into life without a creator. And so we were just musing on that. I thought uh, on the question of why did God create. Anyway, that was, that, that was just a little by the, by the way. The question we've got to ask is, God, why did you make us? What is it that you want? And what lengths, God, are you prepared to go to to get what you want. Now, some of you will have heard of uh, Aaron Sorkin. 
Um, I love this quote about, uh, about uh, the way that he goes about script writing. So Aaron Sorkin is a script writer. You may have come across his movie, uh, his, his thing, uh, A Few Good Men, that's his, The Social Network, and the best thing that was ever written uh, for the screen, which is, of course, The West Wing. Thank you very much. I, I, that wasn't planted. I, I, that was not set up. But it, 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 you're right. It is the best thing. Written by Aaron Sorkin. Anyway, this is what he says about how you find out about a character. We're going to apply this to God. Rather than tell the audience who the character is, I like to show the audience what a character wants. It all boils down to intentions and obstacles. Somebody wants something and somebody or something is standing in their way of getting it. They want the girl, they want the money, they want to get to Philadelphia. It doesn't matter, but they have to want it bad. Something formidable is standing in their way. The tactics the character uses to overcome the obstacle is going to define who the character is. Okay? And it's like that with God. So we need to work out what does God want? And what lengths will he go to to get what he wants? Now, Follow me. For the clues as to what God wants, we're going to look at the beginning and the end of the story that God has revealed to us in his word. So, it's going to be like bookends, okay? We're going to look for clues in Genesis and in Revelation. So, in Genesis, Genesis 3 verse 8 says this, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? So right at the beginning, the first bookend in the story, uh, the the arc of the story of of God and his people and his creation, is God saying to, to mankind, where are you? God wants to know where is mankind. And then let's go to the bookend right at the other end of the story in Revelation 21. And we read this. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. So at the beginning of the story, we have God saying, Man, woman, where are you? And then at the end of the story, we see that God is with his people, that he's dwelling with his people, and he's removing all the crying and the pain and the sorrow and the things that are associated with the brokenness of earth. And everywhere we look through the story, we find the same thing. So if we dip in in the middle and Jesus at the point just before his his death and resurrection, the key climax of the story, we find him praying to his father. And this is what he prays incredibly. Father, I want those. This is uh, John 17, verse 24. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory. The glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. And all through the story, when we cut through, we find this incredible theme that what God wants, that's the question, remember, we're answering. What God wants is to be with his people. What God wants is to be with you and me. Isn't that incredible? Is that how we see things in life? Is that how we see ourselves? But this is the fundamental thing about who God is and his overarching story. And everywhere you look in the story, that's the theme that you get. 
That's what's behind it is God wants to be with his people. Amen? It's an incredible thing. And I believe so often we miss this. And we need to have our eyes open to see God actually wants to be with us. It's not com- we make it so complicated. But God made us so that he could be with us. And what lengths did, was he prepared to go to, to to make that happen? Well, he was prepared to send his son to die on a cross in our place. That that relationship, which was so key to him, might be made It might be restored, might be made all that it was meant to be. That we might be with him. And the end of the story finds us with him. With all the mess uh, of the sinful world taken away and us with him. Amen? We have a God who wants to be with us. He wants to be with you. Can you let that sink into you right now? He wants to be with you. That's his top agenda, to be with you. Not that you would do anything for him. Not that you would perform in any way. Not that you would follow the rules. Not that you would uh, serve him in any particular thing. But that he might be with you. He just wants to be with you. That's the agenda of God. It's remarkable really, isn't it? You see, relationships are key. It's so important that we understand this story. That is the overarching story of Scripture from the beginning to the end. And we are in that story. We need to understand that the end point is assured. But also that the key aspect of the story is that God is all about relationship. And he fundamentally wants relationship with us. He wants to be with us. He will go to incredible lengths to be with us. Little old us. And that's what gives us incredible value, isn't it? That's what gives us incredible identity, incredible worth. Is that God wants to be with us just because he loves us. See, God is all about relationships. God is love, the Bible tells us. And yet that's such a, that's such a weird thing to say, isn't it? God is love. Such an abstract thing to say. But, it's the most, but relationship is the most defining thing about him. It's God's essence, his relationship. So the reason he created is is not somehow because he needed us. He was in perfect relationship in the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, before he ever created. But he created us as an expression of who he is in relationship, so that he could love us, so that he could be with us, because relationship is fundamentally who he is. Amen? And that's the reason why his creation also is defined by relationships. And we as God's people must be defined by our relationships. It's fundamental, isn't it? In that prayer of Jesus in John 17, the world will know because it sees how you are with one another, how you love one another. It will see your unity. And so it's key for us, uh, as we look at the term guide, as we look out onto the coming weeks, it's key for us Uh, That we get together in small groups, that we love one another and serve one another and pray for one another. We're not going to fix it with a lunch, but do come to the lunch on the 22nd because because we want to be together. We should be defined by relationship. That's who God is. That's therefore who we are. It's the thing that is at the heart of creation. Amen? That's why it's so important. That's why I wanted to read that scripture at the end of the day. Because it's, it's so clear that 
It's about Trinity. We're adopted by the Father. We're included in the Son and we're sealed with the Holy Spirit. You see, God is all about relationship. He was complete in relationship before he ever created. He didn't need to do the creating bit. But because that's who he is, that defines how he is with us and who we must be as well. And so our destiny is to know God. Life consists in being related to God. He's the source of life. We have no life in ourselves. We only have life as we relate to him. We come into the world spiritually stillborn, don't we? Dead in our sins. Our hearts turned away from God. But he wants through the death of his son and the resurrection of his son to give us life. Again, in that prayer, John 17, it's an amazing prayer. If you do anything, again, if, you, if you're looking for somewhere in scripture to meditate and to get your head around, get into John 17. Jesus' prayer to the Father. Because uh, you, you get an insight to this incredible relationship within God. Which makes him who he is. You see the Father and the Son relating together, talking about creation, talking about people. One of the things Jesus says, now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you sent. So what defines eternal life? What defines our future, our hope? That we know him. That's our destiny, fundamentally. That's where we're going. It's all about knowing him. Romans 8.29 says this, For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn, that Jesus might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Amen? That's what God was doing in creating and predestining us, predestining us and choosing us, was setting up a situation where we might be the many brothers and sisters of Jesus Christ. Amen? The, he's the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Brothers and sisters relating to a father in amazing relationship. That's our future. By which point all the pain and the crying and the tears, that's been removed because of the cross, because death has been overcome. And so Jesus gets what he's praying for. That's the end of the story. We've seen the end of the story. That is assured. We live with that hope. And that's why Paul gets so excited in this prayer and talks about the hope to which we've been called. Because that's our hope. It's to be with God. The one who is love. The one who is perfect compassion and mercy and just enjoyment and fun. He's the one who created relationship in all its goodness before it went wrong. And our destiny is to be part of that. Brothers and sisters of Jesus relating to the Father. In, caught up in this relationship that, that the Trinity had before the creation of the world. Amen? It's amazing, isn't it? How do we get our heads around it? Well, we pray with Paul this prayer. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation that you may know him better. That's the whole journey, folks. Yes, there'll be stuff along the way that we'll do. Yes, he'll give us works to do. Yes, there'll be uh, exploits and adventures in advancing his kingdom. Yes, there'll be things that he puts in front of us. But fundamentally, what he wants is to be with us. Fundamentally, what he wants is for us to know him. That's the journey we're on. And he'll go to 
great lengths we've seen to get that relationship with us. And that needs to shape who we are. That needs to shape what is our priorities in life. And I believe that Paul's prayer is the most important prayer that we could pray. And as gateway, as we look at this series and we say, what is our DNA? What is it that if you cut through us, you find? We want to be the people who are getting to know God better. That's what we've been saved for. That's what we've been chosen for. Brothers and sisters of Jesus Christ. In relationship with God, knowing him. Amen? It kind of blows your mind in a way, doesn't it? But it's so important that we get into our hearts God's perspective. What is God about? Because it changes how we think about him. If we understand that God's all about relationship, if we understand that his primary driver is that he wants to be with us and love us and include us in his relationship as a Godhead, then it affects everything. It changes the way we think about ourselves. It changes the confidence that we have in life, doesn't it? And so the other side of this is that how do we know this is what goes on? How do we know this is the truth? Because we, we find it in Scripture. And this is why the Word of God, also in terms of DNA and who we are, the Word of God and being in the Word of God is so key to us, isn't it? We've got to understand who God is. He's revealed himself. He's given us his Word. And so as we get into his word, as we understand it, we see God revealed to us and we become more like him. We get, as the Bible says, we conform to the likeness of Jesus Christ. That's God's aim, that we might be brothers and sisters with him. Amen? So we need to be people of relationship. We need to be committed to one another. We need to be people who are asking God that, to open the eyes of our hearts that we might know him better. We need to be people who are seeking him and are in his word that we might understand who God is and be shaped by him. See, I think out there people have, out there, people have all sorts of different ideas about God, what God is like, but God fundamentally is about relationship. It's amazing. God, open our heart, open the eyes of our hearts that we might know this more. We need to know the story that we're part of. The purpose of scripture, the purpose of God's word is not to tell us the rules, not to make us good servants of God, not to make us more religious, not to take away our joy or our fun, but to catch us up in this story of God. God, we want to know you more. Lord, I thank you for what you've revealed to us. I thank you for your word. I thank you for the power of it. I thank you that it's like a sword, Lord. It cuts through stuff. And Lord, we want to pray in these days that, Lord, you would reveal to us in deeper measure, Lord, just who we are, who you are, your heart for us, your heart of love for us, your desire to be with us, Lord, that drives creation that drives your purposes 
that you might be with us, that Jesus, you might have many brothers and sisters, that we might be caught up in this incredible relationship that was going on before creation, before the beginning of the world. Lord, we pray, open the eyes of our heart. Lord, we pray with Paul, open the eyes of our heart, Lord, that we might know you more. It's been a funny old few months for me. God's been doing some stuff. He's been at work. He's been taking me back to basics a bit, I think. He's allowed some anxieties to come to the surface in my life that I didn't really, I wasn't really aware of or how kind of quite um, the power of them, but he's allowed that. And I believe that he's teaching me stuff. He's caused me to dig into his word in a way that I don't think I've ever done before. But you know what? That's, that's really good for me. It's been a bit of a bumpy old season for me. It's been really uncomfortable at times. But you know what I'm gripped by is the fact that God's agenda is that I be conformed to the likeness of Jesus Christ. That's his plan. That's why he chose me. Not that so that I could do certain things for him or fulfill certain roles, or do certain jobs, or look a certain way, or be a certain thing. But he chose me that I might be conformed to the likeness of Jesus. Because what he wants is brothers and sisters in the likeness of Jesus, and he wants to be with them forever. That's his agenda. And so he'll go to great lengths and they'll allow things in our lives, I believe, that are not primarily for our comfort, but that so that he might have brothers and sisters like Jesus who relate to him. Because that's what he wants. And that's where we're heading. And that's the end of the story. That bit is assured. But do you want to know him more? I'd love to just make that, that our prayer this morning as we begin to say, Lord, what is our DNA? What is it that you find in us as God's people, that we're shaped by this God who is full of, who is love, who is relationship, who wants to be with us. I'd love us to make Paul's prayer our prayer this morning. Lord, open the eyes of my heart that I would know you better, that that would affect everything that I am, that it would affect everything that I do, that it would affect how I see myself, that it would affect how I see the world around me, that it would affect the people and how I relate to people around me. If you want to make that your prayer this morning, Lord, I want to know you better. Can I just invite you to stand and we're going to pray together. Lord, I want to know you better. Lord, we want to know you better. Lord, we've... we've We've seen a little glimpse of who you are. You've revealed it to us. But there's so much more, Lord. And the little glimpse tells us, wow, we have an amazing God. And we're just bowled over that you want to be with us. And the lengths that you went to, to accomplish that. And so, Lord, we say today, let's raise our hands. Let's ask him together, Lord, we want to know you better.
Why don't you just say it out? If you want to, Lord, we want to know you more. Lord, that's the desire of our hearts, that we might know this incredible God that we've seen a little bit of. Lord, we've seen a little bit, but we say, Lord, reveal it to us more. Open the eyes of our hearts, Lord, we pray. Open the eyes of our hearts, Lord, that we might know you more. We love what we've seen. Lord, we love what you've revealed to us. We love what you've already done. We love what we see of you, Lord, but we say, reveal it to us more. Show us more of it, Lord. Cause us to be more about relationship. Cause us to be more shaped by the God that we understand from your word. Lord, come by your spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Could the band come back up? Let's just keep our focus on God right now. His plan for us, his desire for us. We're going to share communion together. We're going to pray for one another. Let's enjoy God together. Can I encourage you? If you're a believer in Jesus, if you're a follower of his, then uh, you're so welcome to come and share communion. Let's, uh, let's go and serve somebody else. Let's go and encourage somebody. Let's go and pray for somebody else. Lord, would you help this person to know you more? Let's recognize what it cost him. Let's recognize the lengths that he went to. That's what we celebrate in communion. The lengths that God went to, to get what he wanted, which is you and me. So we're going to celebrate that. But let's pray that prayer into one another. And while we're doing that, I'd love some people, somebody come and serve Donna communion. We're going to pray for her. Let's get a crowd of people. Donna, why don't you come into a space, actually, so that we can get a crowd of people just to pray for you. Wow, are there a lot of prayer needs that that Donna just described to us when she was talking about Burundi. Huge need for us to pray for her at the moment. All that she's put before us, all that uh, that Donna is leading us into as a church. We need to serve her well. We need to support her and champion her in prayer. We need to be praying as she goes this trip. So let's get some people around her. Let's share communion with one another. And then we'll... um, We'll finish in just a minute.